Hello and welcome to the Piercefield Oliver podcast. My name is Louise Oliver and joining me today are my colleagues Stephen Willis and Matt Rowe. Now I'm sure that you will all agree that we are craving some positive news after what's been a truly awful year. So in pursuit of that, you'll be pleased to hear that our topic for today is reasons to be optimistic. Now, we're going to have a particular focus on the global financial markets for our podcast today. And I'd like to start with a question from a global perspective. Now, the the pandemic has been a huge accelerator in the way that economies and societies now operate. Basically, we've had to adapt. Um, Stephen, what have you seen that have been the key transformations as a result of this? Oh, hi, Lou. I, I would say the uh, the biggest transformation seen so far um, is how we consume information and products, also how we receive our medical advice. I mean, you can take the example of doctors going to sort of virtual consultations now, and and affecting a lot of us is how we are working every day. Now, you know, I have to say this has been an absolute revolution in how the human species. And most industries have had to adapt to the pandemic uh, and how quickly we've done so. I mean, who would have thought that multiple vaccines could have been developed and rolled out in just under a year? I mean, Stephen, it's just uh, amazing how we've adapted, isn't it? And we only have to look at Piercefield Oliver, for example, in the way that we've adjusted to a working from home. So some of our team have uh, certainly from the beginning, we were doing flexible working, some at home and some in the office and latterly mostly at home. And notably, Aviva, the giant insurer, have announced uh, this last week that they may never go back to fully occupied offices. So it's a real shift in the way that that people are working. And um, just moving on to the actual effect that this has had on the the stock markets, which is clearly being marked. Um, So Stephen, we've experienced over the last 12 months in the stock markets, the biggest and the sharpest decline. Um, but also, we've had a really sharp rally. Why do you think that is? We always say uh, that markets, financial markets, hate uncertainty. And, and certainly, we've had that in absolute spades uh, since the start of the pandemic. Uh, not only did the world not know how best to handle and treat the virus initially, but there was also a great uncertainty about the US election uh, in the autumn and who would win. And hence, the markets, with that great uncertainty, provided you know, the, the, the declines that we saw. So the two big game changers for bolstering the financial markets in the latter part of 2020, early 21, um, were, of course, the multiple announcements of viable vaccines to combat the pandemic and also the Biden win in the US. But of course, it's worth remembering that Um, the rally has been more sector specific. Not all sectors have rallied, most notably hospitality and travel. Now, as I mentioned at the start um, of our conversation about one of the biggest transformations is how we consume information and products. And clearly technology has transformed the way we have approached our personal lives and our businesses. And for those businesses that have adapted successfully, 
and those that are at the forefront of technology have done extremely well. Now, what would we have done without Zoom, hey? I mean, socially, as you mentioned, Stephen, socially and business. I mean, uh, here at Pearsfield Oliver, we've used Zoom for our client meetings and for our strategic partners to gain updates. And it's, it's just been a, an absolute re revelation for us. So we really have embraced technology and perhaps efficiencies have been improved as a result, certainly in some areas that we've noted. So um, just staying on the subject of uh, technology specifically, just coming to Matt, do you want to expand on this a little bit, uh, specifically the technology firms in terms of how they've affected stock market returns of late and also notably the power they have now with regards to the flow of information? Hi, Lou. Yes, it's a big topic. And I think we've actually been on this sort of trajectory for, for quite a long time. I mean, if we look at, you know, some of the sectors uh, such as banking, you know, those sorts of online changes happened quite a few years ago. Um, and, you know, Stephen's right. It's, you know, completely, the pandemic's completely sort of accelerated that, that shift um, in terms of, uh, a move in society. Um, I think, you know, if we look at the US as a, as a good example, some of these tech businesses are enormous now. And, you know, the market is quite heavily weighted in favor of those technology stocks. I mean, quite a good example is, uh, is perhaps the FANG stocks. So this is Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. And I was looking uh, only this week, and the value of these businesses collectively is now worth about $6 trillion, $6 trillion. So, you know, to put that in perspective, it's almost like a market in itself. And, um, you know, if we look at the, the FTSE 100, which is, of course, the 100 largest listed companies in the UK, now they're worth about three trillion combined, uh, probably slightly under now. So these businesses have had a massive effect on actually the performance of the overall market. You're right. Now, throughout the pandemic, I'd I'd also say that you know we have accelerated our use of these these companies. We consumed more of their services. When I think about Amazon, it's it's a disgusting amount of packages I've bought from them, and you know I. <laughs> I've almost I'm almost on first name terms with the delivery driver now. It's it's gotten that bad. But I think, you know, it's it's the way forward. And, you know, potentially now, are these businesses too big? And you're right, with the power side, I think that's likely to be at the top of Biden's agenda. Um, at the top of perhaps, you know, perhaps we can see a, an overhaul maybe of of some of the rules around governing these companies? Have they got too much control? I think it's going to be a big question. I think you're right, Matt, and it's a real worry, isn't it, the power these companies have over all of our lives and the reliance that we have on them. 
And I think there is a focus. I do think there is going to be a little bit more of a focus to people perhaps moving away from buying from, if you, if you possibly can, the likes of Amazon and looking to buy locally, particularly here in the UK, to seek to, to buy British. So I do think it's something, you know, you're right, the power that they have and, and also the money they have to swallow up some of those smaller companies that perhaps would have created and carved out their own niche in, in the past. So, um, so just just on the changes that we've seen in the world, I mean, it was already starting to happen, wasn't it? We were having the the protectionism and the nationalism coming into the countries throughout the world, but this pandemic seems to have really enforced that, and and uh, we've seen what's happening with the breakup of the EU, etc. So. Stephen, based on that, do you believe that we will see a new world order coming out of this pandemic? Uh, yes, I think it's fair to say that we're already seeing globalization change. And I mean, I don't mean deglobalization, but more of a division or bipolar world order, predominantly between the US and China, and also a, a reshaping of global supply chains. I think there needs uh, or there is a need for greater national resilience rather than efficiency. And, and examples there are things like medical equipment and supplies. I mean, I found it quite perverse that at the start of the pandemic, uh, the UK, for example, was having to go cap in hand to China to buy PPE, um, when in fact, you know, the, you know, the whole thing uh, evolved from China. And, and we've seen it more, more recently with the the spats with EU and the vaccine supplies. I mean, we're fortunate here in the UK, obviously, to have that production. But you can see that if it's affecting the likes of uh, the EU uh, and their supply chain, then it's going to affect third world countries much more. So I think investors will no doubt have exposure to both parts of this new order. Yeah, and of course, Stephen, it's not helped by the fact that, you know, a lot of borders are closed now and international travel is pretty much banned. So the way that the world is going with this protectionism and the nationalism is, is actually to somewhat extent promoted by that, isn't it? Because people just can't can't go out there and, and travel. So let's focus on the US for a moment because it's still the largest financial market and economy in the world for now anyway that could be challenged but it certainly is Matt can you remind us of the stimulus package the US have put in place which is, is seeking to help bolster their economy but also repair the damage that's come out of this pandemic yeah I mean I think the stimulus side is is another big driver as to why we've seen markets do do what they've done I mean, if we if we sort of remind ourselves of 2008, the the global financial crisis. Then, um, in 2009, the the US uh, they put through a stimulus bill worth just over 800 billion. Now, in March last year, Congress approved the CARES Act, um, which was quite quite sort of highly publicised, and the value of that coronavirus support package was worth 2.2 trillion dollars. You know, and then, of course, in December, we saw another bill go through, which included another 900 odd billion in, in coronavirus relief. And now Joe Biden has tabled another bill worth again in the trillions. And, you know, again, that includes more coronavirus support. And it's, you know, it's a whole host of measures, you know, from writing checks to Americans to supporting 
businesses through loans and grants. So I think it's quite different from the recessions of the past uh, because this time they really are throwing the kitchen sink at, at the problem. You know, and why, why does that matter? Well, of course, you know, the more money that is, is pumped into the economy, the more money people will have in their back pockets who can go out and spend and therefore, you know, businesses need to employ people to keep up with demand. And that's sort of how you, how you try and grow your way out of, of these financial crises, really. So, you know, clearly that's, that's the route that, I guess, not just the US, but global governments have, have gone down. Uh, is the debt going to be a problem? Well, you know, I think that's that's quite a big topic in itself. But what I would say is uh, interest rates are very low, so it makes borrowing cheap. Yeah, I think, Matt, um, you're right. And I, I can't imagine those numbers of naught, the, the global stimulus here in the UK and uh, in the EU and in the US that's been injected into the economies is is it's a really positive thing, isn't it? Because they are seeking to hold up, hold up their economies so that we can have that bounce back once we're through this pandemic. I was, I was going to say, I mean, you, you're right. I think the, the big risk, of course, is going to be that if they do keep printing money um, at the levels that they're printing, we could see a devaluation in the dollar, um, sort of supply and demand which of course has its benefits for UK investors, but also its drawbacks if, if you're already invested in those markets. Yeah, that's one to watch, isn't it? And a fine balance for them to strike. Um, so Stephen, um, what other accelerated and transformational changes do you think we can expect out of this pandemic? Well, Lou, I think we've already started seeing it. It's definitely a shift to sustainability. I mean, from a human perspective, you can see societal views on sustainability accelerating. And that's evident from the fact that the levels of inflows globally into sustainable investments in 2020 actually surpassed all previous years. I think there's a, an increasing focus on climate change. Um, investors will be looking at companies that contribute to the problem versus companies providing the solutions and the latter will win out, I have no doubt. Clearly, this pandemic has shown up how vulnerable we are, how humanity is so vulnerable. And Bill Gates, in 2015, famously said that he suggested that it would be a virus that would take the world down, not a computer virus, a biological virus. And this was in 2015. And he said that the world is not ready for this. We're not ready. And of course, it's come to pass and we were not ready for it. And so on, on a positive note, we have got ourselves ready. And clearly there, there is a possibility that this could happen again. And you would like to think that we are more ready. We've learned a lot from going through this pandemic that we're currently in. So it's, it's, it's interesting now to see how much su support and action the heads of state are making to make these fundamental changes. And of course, we've got the UN Climate Change Conference coming up in November, which were very interesting. So just coming to you, Matt, um, where does the US sit on climate change, particularly the US? Now, of course, because we've got Biden um, at the helm and in power, 
And um, especially as the US are one of the major polluters in the world with regards to the environment, et cetera. Yes, well, I think, you know, the first thing to say is actually even throughout the Trump administration, there was more investment in uh, renewables than, than ever before. Um, so I think only Biden can really accelerate this change. Um, you know, I think he'd, he'd barely sat down in, in the office uh, in the White House and he'd already submitted the papers to, to rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. Um, I think he, he revoked an, a, a permit for an oil pipeline. And, you know, we saw his, his conversation with Boris Johnson um, had sort of covered off uh, that climate change is going to be um, quite a big issue at the top of his agenda. So I think, you know, uh, that that's what we can expect going forward. But, um, you know, ironically, those big tech companies that I spoke about earlier, uh, some of them are actually quite advanced in terms of, uh, you know, their, their impact on the environment. I mean, Google, for example, has been, has been uh, carbon neutral since 2007. So, um, you know, I think this, this, the changes will maybe affect more industries than others. I think, maybe the difficulties he's going to have is is passing some sort of bill because even when obama had a a significant majority he he failed to pass a climate bill um but we've already seen in his sort of stimulus statement that you know he plans to invest very heavily in green infrastructure um and renewables and i think you know that's that's only going to be good for for business yeah, I think I think Matt, at least Biden's positive on the on the climate change issue and moving forwards with it. Unlike Trump, who you know more, almost totally dismissed it. So at least we've got someone who's embracing that, which is really positive. And of course, like you say, could be positive for some of the uh, certainly the stock market saw the Biden victory as a, a very positive move. So we saw we saw the markets rally on on the back of that. So Stephen, have you got any thoughts to add to that with regards to the climate change? I suppose uh, final thoughts on on the global situation as far as global economies are concerned. I don't think they're going to be fully restored. Uh, and by that, I mean a normal rebooting of the devastated parts of the economy until everyone around the globe is vaccinated and we have herd immunity. And that And that probably won't be until the third, probably the fourth quarter of this year. Yeah, so we do have reasons to be optimistic, though, don't we, Stephen, because we can see light at the end of the tunnel with regards to the vaccine and uh, the uh, Biden as, as US president and we've got over Brexit. So yeah, there are some positives to take from that, even though certainly investors may have to wait a little while until we're through this over this hump on the vaccination issue. So moving closer to home, let's just talk about the UK for a little bit. And we haven't mentioned the B word really yet, have we, in Brexit. And um, so, Stephen, the UK, what are the positives we can look forward to? Well, we, cert we certainly need some positives here in the UK. Uh, we've had negativity for so many years. But I think re reflecting on the UK equity market or financial market, it's certainly underperformed other global financial markets since 2016. And I'm going to use that word. I mean, because of the due to the uncertainty of Brexit, uh, during since 2016, we've seen about eight billion pounds uh, leave in terms of investment outflows from the UK since then. Now, I think uh, we have having now got an organised separation from the EU, and and obviously that's still up for discussion. But we should now start to see 
a reversal of those outflows. I mean, the, the UK is still regarded as a good place to invest because of our flexible labour market, higher governance standards, both in terms of central government and the corporate world, and also our high standards of regulation, to name but a few. You know, in spite of that, you, you know, UK equity prices are standing at pre-COVID levels, but they still look cheap versus the rest of the world. Now, of course, some may say, well, where is the scope, therefore, for these values to continue rising? Uh, and to answer that, it's worth reflecting uh, on a number of factors at play here. The first is uh, the government's future fiscal and monetary policy intervention to help with, say, uh, our burgeoning unemployment numbers. And this will undoubtedly involve large infrastructure projects. Uh, also, for those companies and businesses that have been able to adapt quickly, for example, they've become better structured or restructured themselves during the last 12 months, you know, with their weak competitors now taken out of the marketplace, they are better placed to grow once the economy opens back up again. I mean, if we take the retail sector as an example, over the past year, uh, a move to online retailing has been exacerbated by some five to 10 years. Again, you know, taking real world examples here, the online retailer Boohoo has, you know, bought up Debenhams and ASOS has bought up Topshop. I mean, both, both Debenhams and Topshop, you know, they've been stalwarts of the high street for, for decades. The other interesting statistic that I came across recently is that during lockdown and with the financial or the various financial support packages that have been in place, it's now estimated that about one and a half billion pounds is now in savings. And that, that actually represents a very high savings ratio and, and is a high ratio compared to many years ago. And since we Brits love to spend, um, because we are predominantly consumer-driven economy, there is a huge pent-up need to spend this. And uh, I have no doubt that the travel and hospitality sectors will benefit greatly. So we should see a move back to pre-COVID trends as this cyclical recovery into those current unloved sectors begins. But I think there is a note of caution, of course, that it's worth mentioning that in the longer term, there is some concern about rising inflation. But I think the consensus at present is that this will not be a, this won't be a primary concern for policymakers. I mean, they really want to allow growth to come back uh, into the economy before addressing any inflation issues. So we can expect interest rates, I think, to remain low for some time. Uh, it, you know, summing up, I think the UK uh, and potentially the, the you know, globally as well. I think 2021 should therefore be a positive year for riskier assets, uh, as I say, not only here in the UK, but globally as well. And I think, I think Stephen, this, uh, this um, availability to be able to go out there and spend and book holidays and go to restaurants and cafes and bars and whatever, it is really pent up, isn't it? And speaking to some of our clients and friends and colleagues, that, that sort of wave of pent up wanting to go on holidays and spend will we hope benefit a lot of our UK companies and especially the hospitality sector which has suffered uh, so uh, harshly over this pandemic so we'll wrap up there 
I'd like to thank Stephen and Matt for their valuable input and views. And I'll leave you with the thought that even with this doom and gloom, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we do have reasons to be optimistic for 2021 and onwards. We hope that you've enjoyed listening today. We will be recording more podcasts and webcasts in the future. And as such, if you have any particular topics you'd like us to cover, please let us know. So that's it for now. And in the meantime, keep smiling, stay safe and well.